Hello, welcome to Sound Engagement, a podcast devoted to engaging with our culture and community from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Brad Mills. I'm Peter Anderson. Yeah, with the Good. with the delay and all. Very nice. Um, <sighs> so, what do we want to talk about today? We want maybe we can go with a widescreen view or the close. Uh, yeah, that's a little better. That's a little better. Yeah, that one. Okay. Okay. So we are talking about the election. Like people haven't had enough time to think about this and discuss it with their family and friends. And yeah, we should also tell our viewers users too that they could comment. We could we could um we could um converse with them. So anybody Absolutely. that's watching live, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever joins us mm. can leave a mm -hmm. comment, and we will respond and react. Um, but this is a, an interesting time, right? As we are still finalizing the election results. Um, what are your, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, well, um, I think one of the things is, uh, sorry, my wife's bringing ice water. Um, you know, I was, uh, I think like most, most people that were watching it, I, I, um, I think many people probably thought that Trump w looked like he was going to win. Uh, cause, um, I just, I actually did something really, uh, um, very, very odd and, but I got a lot of sleep. Uh, I will say that. So I decided not to watch the election. I decided to go to bed at seven o'clock and just read. And I fell asleep at seven 30. And then my wife came in at about 1230 in the morning. <laughs> And I just, I turned and I said, so what's going on? She was like, well, Trump is winning Alaska, excuse me, um, Wisconsin. He's, he's winning Michigan. He said, she said all these states, Pennsylvania looks like it's pretty good. It's already 12th, but they hadn't called it yet. So I was going to bed thinking when I woke up, like, wow, okay, I guess he won. Um, because almost every single selection cycle, when somebody was ahead that many states at one two o'clock in the morning okay you know it's in the bag it's good and uh next thing i know I wake up and i'm talking to a friend and he was like no biden's gonna win because they're gonna do the mail-in votes all of a sudden yeah two of those states michigan and wisconsin are turning toward biden so it took about a week and yeah first trump's ahead by like what quite a bit and then slowly but surely Biden just kind of overtakes them. The same thing is in Georgia. I think he's got North Carolina. But it just it was a really odd week because I don't think anybody was expecting almost five days of counting and you know, just a slow turning of states, um, you know, from one candidate to another. And uh, and then of course conspiracy theories or not conspiracy theories, actual reports of fraud started popping up. Doesn't look like it's gonna be enough to turn the election, but still enough reports that, you know, you, you have some serious questions on what's going on. And then next thing you know, I guess you have Associated Press and everybody else saying that uh, Biden's Biden won. So um, it was a weird week. It really was because it wasn't, it, it felt like 2000 all over again, but a lot quicker and multiple states without the questions and wealth without, you know, I guess, the clarity and what was going on. It felt like another 2020 um, event where all of a sudden 
you think something's actually going to occur, that thing that you're thinking is going to occur doesn't occur. And then all your expectations are just kind of thrown out over the, you know, thrown out the window. So yeah. What about just, yeah, it's, it's just well, crazy. You've touched on a lot of the topics uh, that I, that I'd like to dive into a little bit um, more in depth, but I think one of the, the clear and obvious things that came out from this election, no matter what side you're on and, 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 there's just no doubt on either side is that the polls were vastly wrong. Once again, the media yeah, missed huge. this one by a long shot um, continuing to project uh, numbers that are just off by five to 10 points consistently mm. in percentage points. So, um, you know, the, the glaring though uh, mistake that I remember from election night and I'm sure uh, it's it's coming to a head still is is Fox News and mm. the impact that they had on the election, I think, was significant. Election night um, really was looking like Trump was going to be favored. I think even on uh, on most stations, it not favored, but it was looking like the election was moving in his direction. And then all of a sudden, um Fox calls Arizona for Trump. And that was a huge flag indicating that he, you know, that or for Biden calls it for Biden. Oh, did I say Trump? Yeah. 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 They called it for Biden, which was a huge indication that there was going to be some flipped states, you know, if Arizona flipped. Um, and so mm -hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was significant that, that they said that. Um, and I, I wanted to share just one, one, I, one reaction here um, from, oh, can you see this? Yeah. All right. So from Nicholas Waddy on the death of Fox News, he just wrote this a few days ago. He says, all this would have come to pass. And in that sense, the history of the last several days would have been very similar to how things actually transpired, except for one key difference, prime to accept the fact of a Trump win, the American people and even the media would have taken Republican claims of fraud and malfeasance far more seriously. So he he just acknowledged that all, all the things we're seeing today, the complaints about voter fraud and um, or election fraud and just these different um, challenges, legal challenges that are taking place, those would have been happening even if Fox hadn't made that call for Arizona. But the difference was the American people were primed for a they were primed for a biden win after arizona was called instead of what would have potentially been being primed for a trump win and therefore what happened is the allegations are just completely dismissed you know as you said even they're treated as conspiracy theories and so his the next paragraph says instead of dismissing such allegations as the ravings of a snubbed jaded and frustrated one-term president every thinking american would have had to ask the question how can we explain an electoral system that produces such an emphatic result on election night and then backtracks and reverses itself in the next few days isn't this at the very least suspicious and doesn't it call for the fullest possible audit of the vote Let's face it, in 2020, Fox News is stronger than ever, and its ratings have been higher than ever, all thanks to the conservative and patriotic fervor unleashed by President Trump. At the hour of decision, however, Fox chose to bite the hand that feeds it. It betrayed Trump and his supporters. So anyways, I I think the 
Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was a, a, just a fascinating take and something that, um, uh, it, Trump is our, our Fox ratings, I think have dropped something like 12% because of, uh, their reaction on, on election night. And I wouldn't be surprised if it continues to decline the, um, wife of, of the, the owner of Fox news. I think it's a Murdoch Rupert's yeah. son or something. Right. The wife tweeted out, uh, we did it right after, um, Biden was declared. So, you have the bias kind of showing there um, among the the higher up in Fox, so they're they're starting to offend uh, many more people now. Mm. But anyways, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But and I, I don't know how what the likelihood of that changing anything. You know, it's possible that it wouldn't have changed anything um, in terms of our reaction or uh, the way these battles are happening in court. But definitely. All I see is is Republicans saying, "Look at the fraud. Why are we not concerned about the election? You know, fraud." And Democrats saying, um, "You know, these are just conspiracy theories. It's all it's all a joke." Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things about conspiracy theories is we've talked many times. I mean, conspiracy theories. It, it, first of all, it's not a conspiracy theory to question. You know. Um, things that are inconsistent. You know, it's not a conspiracy theory when when things that are in authority are unpredictable, unfair, and are contradictory. That's not cons- if that was true, then every single scientific feat that's ever been done, including Gal- from Galileo to Einstein, <laughs> would be considered conspiracy theorists because they, they question the authorities, you know, it's not, so it's even interesting. I almost see it as like a, a cancellation or not even a cancellation of speech per se, as much as just a prevention from you thinking through things carefully to immediately assume conspiracy theory when you're noticing inconsistencies in a, in a source that is supposed to um, give us some type of insight, a surrogate as Thomas Sowell would put it, like a surrogate that seems to be contrary to certain evidence and whatnot. So it's not a conspiracy theory to say that there's probably, there possibly could be serious, you know, problems with, you know, the voting and whatnot. And, and I think we have a right to be concerned. You know, I, I, I do um, without thinking that, um, you know, again, like the whole, I don't, I, I would ser- I seriously don't think we're going to, people are going to have enough votes to, put Trump back in. I don't, I don't see that, but we could definitely talk about the integrity of the system. You know, we could definitely talk about what Nancy Pelosi did in this past, you know, few months and how she's taking advantage of the pandemic and where a lot of States did things they never would have done with mail-in voting, no real um, voter ID people uh, harvesting, which is a big thing in California, which is one of the reasons why California has been strongly blue for the past 15 years because of harvesting. I mean, there are a lot of things that a lot of states normally wouldn't have done that they did during the 2020 election cycle due, what to, is, the pan, can, uh, due to the pandemic. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. What is, uh, explain voter harvesting. Yeah, voter harvesting, harvesting is where basically one representative goes to, say, for example, um, uh, the representative goes to maybe a, a uh, like a like a like a nursing home, and bar- ballot harvesting operations is more like what they're called. 
And it's just, yeah. it's a perfect environment for this to roll roll out. I mean, basically what it is, it's just, they just pick up, there's basically only one person and they pick up all of the votes. They could pick up hundreds to thousands of votes. And it's, it's actually almost impossible to prove any type of fraud. Um, how many harvesters offered to deliver votes only to throw away, you know, inconvenient ones. You, know, you don't ever know. There's already reports that some voters were pushed or cajoled or even paid or had a ballot filed and returned for them without their knowledge, those types of things. I mean, so it's not enough. It's not enough to overturn everything, but you need to ask the question, all of these states all of a sudden did this radically different approach, applied a very radical different approach. And we're not even to ask questions, you know, did that have something to do with at least some of the election? Um, and so the virus was a pretty, you know, it was a perfect opportunity for the Democratic Party to basically take advantage of voting of the voting system in a way that I don't think they ever would have been able to before. And I don't think that's conspiracy theory at all. I, I, I um, you know, because the thing about Pelosi and her, like one of the things that she wanted to do in her law, this is one of the things that the Wall Street Journal talks about, is she, um, she had something called the Majority Preservation Act, you know, and what that was, um, was basically their bill. Uh, her, her attempt was to jam in some of its, a lot of provisions into the coronavirus bill. And even though it didn't get passed, a lot of liberal groups brought scores of lawsuits to force states to adapt its provisions. So a lot, a lot of courts actually did basically said, you know, well, because of social distancing, the bill required like no fault absentee ballots. Um, anybody could, you know, vote by mail for any reason whatsoever. Um, federal where, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, so it's just a lot of changes that would have, that would have occurred. I mean, I think Trump would have won in a landslide. I think you're right last week, last time we met, if it, this had been a traditional election, I think Trump easily, easily would be our president. And mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I'm even looking into that. Yeah. I, I, I do believe that hundred <laughs> percent because well, I think, you would, yeah, I mean, anyway, but it is it is interesting that like I think the UK um, doesn't allow mail in ballots for their election because of the because it's just ripe for voter fraud. Um, mm. It's it's ripe for these kinds of of challenges and problems, and it just seems like the the message from the beginning was, oh no, that's the mail in balloting is totally safe. Uh, it's just like absentee ballots. And it's, yeah. it's not, it's, it's, right. they're different, they're different, um, situations. And while you can, you need to allow for some level of absentee balloting, you know, for people who are out, mm -hmm. out of the country or, um, you know, away, away from home, but, but to have something like, uh, mm -hmm. widespread mail-in ballot, it just, it's, it's, it's ripe for, for compromise. And I think uh, that's one of the reasons why I still am, am holding out um, a f kind of a, a conceding <laughs> because I, I think I, I don't, I'm not, yeah, me too. I, yeah. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say that Trump should bar Biden and the campaign from getting prepared for a transition. I don't know the ins and downs of all the, you know, of all of the security problems that that would entail if if Biden is not allowed to get that information up front I I think maybe it's overblown and you know it's hyped up in terms of it's just politicizing everything you know Trump Trump not not letting them transition and Biden mm. uh, making a big deal about the security problem that that 
uh, raises. But I do think that there's there's some le- um, legitimate concerns in like Pennsylvania where you have they sent out like uh, over three million. Actually, I have I have this as well on a on the screen. Um, oh, you know what? I'll wait. But they they have something about the uh, like three million voter or ballots were sent out in Pennsylvania, and something like ninety percent of them were returned. And so the likelihood of that scenario is is just extremely low. It's it it doesn't happen most most times in an election on a good turnout you have like seventy percent, um, so you have ninety percent coming out for this election and and to suggest that Biden and Harris had that kind of turnout which was far and away above by um, Obama's turnout Hillary Clinton's turnout I just think to To see the level of enthusiasm leading up to this election, and then to find that kind of turnout, it's ext- it's just very suspicious. Um, and then you had the same thing in Michigan, I think, or Wisconsin. One of those states had something like ninety percent of the register of the registered voters voted. Now that didn't mm. include at the time like the um, same day registrants, but re- registrations, but it was nowhere near a night that would that would account for that kind of difference. Um, to make up, you know, 90% of the, the turnout. So it just, <clears throat> I think it's worth considering um, and, and looking into the legal battle. And I also think the, the, um, the fact that Dominion, the voting program that was used in like 30 states it, and its connections to the Democratic Party, uh, those are also suspicious and worthy of, of looking mm-hmm. into. Outside of those two, I think there is a lot of little issues that have been raised um, yeah. with no real evidence, and and that becomes you know difficult to prove uh, that would it, that it had any real impact on the election. Well, it's hard to tell when a court case. I mean, in court case, I mean because we don't know what the lawyers are coming up with. They're only hearing reports, and some of that has a lot to do with confidentiality, and a lot of that has to do with HIPAA. You know, so I don't know. I mean, I yeah, but they better come up with something soon. You know, otherwise, right. I think it's I think it's good for the country. I think it's good for. OK, so if they don't have a case, let's move on. Yeah. I've been getting a little impatient with the Trump election you know, team, mainly because of that. It's like if you all have something, I want to see it. I, I want, you know, a, a don't just like let little reports here and there come out. You know, mm. I give me give me give me the case. You know, and I think Chris Christie said that, and I think he, I think that probably speaks for a lot of people who are, you know, moderate Republican or you know, or just who who want to really respect the Constitution. Um, I consider myself in that camp. Like, I really love the 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 tradition of the Constitution that if you lose an election, I think you do it with integrity. Um, I think you, um, you know, and then you you hold your head up high, and you know you you make sure that for the sake of the presidency, because you honor the presidency so much, that's what you're doing that for. You, you're you honoring the electoral branch of our government when you're conceding. It's not just like I'm I'm losing. It's more than that. It's, it's, it's honoring the constitution when you're conceding. So you better come up with a case. That's where I'm, I'm getting the point where like, okay, you know, I wanna see it. Like, and if they, if they say something, you know, that, hey, we found, 
the six, like the six, they found something like in Michigan, like 6,000 elect uh, votes ended up going that were not meant to. If they all of a sudden said, Hey, guess what? That actually happened not just once, but like 15, 16 times in the state of Michigan. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. And guess what? The same thing happened in Wisconsin and we use the same system in, in, in Pennsylvania and look like that actually happened multiple. And these are all the multiple places that it happened. Okay. Let's oh, shit. <laughs> you know, let's well, let's do what George is doing. And let's get to work. I mean, you know, and I think I if that's the case, I I would stand firm with what the president's trying to do. And I'm like, I don't care if you guys have to wait. I care so much more, um, you know, that we, we right. you know uh, that we care about that. So, but if the I mean, Chris Chris just commented, unless the software steals your votes, hundred thousand. Yeah, if that's the case, you better. Uh, yeah, I want to see it. But I just want to I, I want to see the evidence first. <laughs> so if they have it, I hope they come up with it within the week or two just for all of us so that we can, you know, come alongside the president. Because I think one thing that we have to have in common, we have to have the Constitution in common and we have to have integrity in common. And I think that's rather than groups like that's the thing I don't like about the, you know, identity politics is because it's just individual groups against one another. We have to. You know, and one of the things I don't like where the far left goes is that they don't have the Constitution. They want to rip it down, the 1619 Project. And, you know, there there is no commonality. And what integrity looks like for them is just purely relative. But I think if they have something, then anyway, yeah. Yeah, I can I can understand. They, the evidence that has been shown so far has not been significant enough to overturn, I don't think, any of the states unless dominion unless they show that there is um that the dominion software was was problematic in in all those states um you know just pointing out the inconsistencies in the data is not enough to prove anything but it is suspicious and it's worth giving some time as well as all i'm saying it's worth waiting it out and figuring out if this if this does mean anything if it's if it if they can't prove it then you know, we we uh, lick our wounds and prepare for 2024. And then all those flags that came out, Trump 2024 will make sense because he'll be running again, probably. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah. it's it. I do think um, it uh, that so far the evidence has not has not proven um, that the election. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know. The yeah, number I, mean, I would also. I'm sorry. Let me just, the other thing I would say is just that the, the popular vote is, is more in Biden's favor this time Mm -hmm. as well. Now, of course, if that's based on fraud, then, you know, it makes sense. But if it's Mm -hmm. not proven, I think uh, the election will stand. Um, Mm. And, and I think it needs to be proven, like you said, pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, you know, 6,000, the 6,000 votes that were said in Michigan, that's not a small number. And let's, let's not forget that Georgia is only down by like 14,000. Let's not forget that 40,000 or 50,000 in Pennsylvania. That's actually not, that's actually not a lot. Um, Arizona, for example, I think what he's only down by 11, I believe. So, I mean, it's, it's not impossible if they were able to find glitches multiple times, let's say 10 times, you know, that brings in at least three states back into his favor. And then you have Pennsylvania left, which, you know, their own district, I mean, they have been committing fraud 
knowingly committing fraud. Multiple lawsuits have been against them. Uh, even Democrats have filed lawsuits. And then, then it comes down to that. So it's not, it's not totally impossible. I mean, it's, I mean, gosh, if you, if you, if they do the recount in Georgia and all of a sudden there's a huge Trump win in Georgia, they're already going to show some skepticism toward Michigan because there's some real question there. And there's also some questions in Wisconsin, especially in Green Bay County, when what is it like 80% voted for Trump and all of a sudden the system said, you know, I don't, yeah, that by one by like a landslide there, if they decide to look into some of these things and there really were some problems, they could switch Georgia, possibly Wisconsin, Michigan, and then Arizona, you know, who knows that they actually haven't finished counting in Arizona that flips as well. Then what do you do? What do you do with that? Chris just said, you know, 2200 signed affidavits from people who are witnesses to, to voter fraud or were instructed to commit some type of voter fraud themselves. Many of them witnesses, tens of thousands of votes coming in with no envelopes. Okay. So, you know, I just, <laughs> thanks Chris for coming. I mean, I, yeah. That's why I don't know what the evidence is or isn't because we haven't actually heard. We're not in the court. We're not in the courtroom. Anyway. Well, <laughs> I, I do want to, let me share this one. And I, I was, I referred to it um, mm -hmm. briefly, but but I wanted to uh, go ahead and show it now. This this article from Paul Kanger, who's a professor at Grove City in Pennsylvania. He he wrote an article today called "Why Pennsylvania Doesn't Add Up." And one of the evidence he points to is that there have been 6.7 million Pennsylvania ballots cast for Biden and Trump. The proportion that came from mail-in ballots is eye-opening. There were 3.1 plus mail-in ballot, million mail-in ballots issued in Pennsylvania voters, uh, to Pennsylvania voters. And of these, a staggering 2.6 plus were cast. In other words, nearly 90% were sent in. Yes, nearly 90%. This means that the opportunities to swing the election to Biden by a mere half percent or so via mail-in balloting were legion to leverage a final vote margin of 50,000 out of some 3 million would be a cinch. So, the article actually shows several different um, examples of how the just there's inconsistencies in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, he, he gives some anecdotal evidence like he goes into these towns, these counties that had that ended up uh, favoring Biden, where he didn't see like Biden signs anywhere. You know, that was always Trump flags and American flags. Now, maybe that's just because there was more. I don't know, hype for Trump because he'd come through there multiple times. But it, it seems to me that there, there's enough evidence that Pennsylvania could could have, you know, get to the Supreme Court uh, on some of these issues. And if that happens, if that flips and if the voter if the vote recount in Georgia flips, then, you know, it could be very interesting. Did I lose you? There I am. <laughs> we got two of you. <laughs> Uh oh. Okay. I'll re yeah. I'll remove your your dead one. There I am. Yeah. I think I uh, you've been cutting out, so I don't know if your Wi-Fi is. Uh, yeah, I got a stronger Wi-Fi. I think yeah, I got. I think I was on the weak Wi-Fi. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, anyways, I was just talking about Pennsylvania being more more potential. Um, I I also think that the immediate reaction from Biden was not helpful. 
Um, so I want to talk about that. Like the, the idea that he would call 70 million plus citizens of the United States to, you know, to join hands with him and all the Democrats and, and sort of seek to heal the as a nation when there was so much still up in the air, that was like, what day one after or two, maybe after the uh, election day. So there was still a ton of accusations going around and to, to make it sound like it was all just myth was just disingenuous, I think. Um, and it's all been of course supported by the mainstream media. So we're finding more and more the mainstream media got everything vastly wrong leading up to the election. And now after the election, they're just piling it on doubling down in their decision that Biden has won this thing. And there's still enough evidence that it's possibly not over. So I think Biden's reaction, I don't know, what did you think? It was, uh, I read an article said empty words won't unify this nation. Um, and just the idea that he would call people who voted, you know, th there's been this push to kind of consider all Republicans who vote for Trump uh, as racist. And now, now it's time to just stop considering each other enemies. Let's be friends and let's all work together to heal. It seems uh, far too soon to use that kind of language. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it well, it's very ingenuous really. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I think that that's, that's my biggest problem with it. I mean, you know, I, what uh, it, this isn't really a party that truly wants to heal. This is a party. Let's not forget. Um, this is a party that uh, the main difference between them and the Republicans are, are that if they had lost, they would have destroyed thousands of businesses. They would have burned many businesses that have been wrecked by the economy and wrecked by the coronavirus absolutely to the ground. So no, they're not all, you know, and that's, I think that's what a lot of people see through, which is that's a bunch of BS. That's why I posted what I posted. It's like, maybe we're not looking for a pure party here. You know, maybe we're not looking for a party that is like one is more compassionate than the other. I think what we're thinking about right here is that maybe parties are just selfish and it's just, I, I think he's, I mean, I get where he's trying to, you know uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who are Biden supporters. They have really stated that like, you know, look, he's, he is significantly much more, you know, of a moderate than you're giving him credit for Coleman Hughes, for example, is one of those people that I have a high, high respect for that. He stated that he's voting for Biden because he believes he truly does believe that he's a moderate. And I respect that. But I think it's just you, I mean, you're, you, you have just told 72 million people um, and many people from your party has just said that we're, we're, we're getting cancellation seats and we're going to look for you and we're going to make sure that you never have a job again. You have AOC that's fighting for that. You have other people that are, you know, Michelle Obama calling um, many Republicans or excuse me, many, many Trump supporters, bigots and racists that need to be educated. Um, this is not a, a party that wants to heal. Um, and they could probably, I know that they're accusing us of the same thing. And, and, and I know they're, I, I get it. I totally get it. But I guess it's like enough with the BS, you know? I mean, that's my, yeah, it's just kind of odd well, that it, it's, yeah. Go ahead. It, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's interesting that he would say this is a time to heal and yet not denounce the statements of, right. you know, AOC or Jennifer Rubin, who are basically saying there's an enemies list. We're, we're putting together a list for all these Trump sycophants 
and um, keeping track so that they never have a chance to be in office again. And they should never be on a school board. They should never have a, you know, it, it's like, it's totally rounding up people, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a communist reaction for sure. And, and the one person who should be condemning that if he wants to see healing right. is silent. He's yeah. silent about it. Well, yeah. So and make all the compromises. Absolutely. Well, and that's why uh, everybody got on Trump for not denouncing white supremacy. Let's forget that Biden refused to denounce Antifa in the same ends, even though there are plenty of times that Trump did denounce white supremacy. I do think in that debate, he didn't do it strong enough. I would give that to the other side. I think he should have been very, very clear. But at the same time, would it, would the, you know, would the other party had heard it? Probably not. Um, but, you know, we have to. Yeah, not just called the enemies list. I think it's called the Trump Accountability Project. That's actually there is an actual project you can look up. No, I, said, I, yeah, I called it enemies list just to compare it. That's what it was for Hitler and um, right. Stalin. But you're right; it's they call it something uh, more subtle. <laughs> yeah, and this isn't just like an AOC thing. There are a number of people that are really wanting to do this. You have Imbram Kendi in the Atlantic today. Um, that was terrifying. He said, there is no soul of the nation. There's only one soul of the nation and the other soul of the nation basically needs to be extinguished. Those were basically Whoa. his words. You know, it's very, very concerning where Imbram Kendi is going. And it's like, wow. yeah, he doesn't even consider the other side even having a soul. So, you know, you have a party that in recent months have taken this Machiavellian gospel to the streets of woke theology that says, if you don't repent for your white privilege, you are a racist and we're going to burn and loot your business to the ground. And you're going to have the, you're going to incur our wrath. Many of whom were going to do it again on election night if Trump had won. And now you're going to tell me you're, you're wanting unity. Right. You know, it, it's just, no, no. <laughs> like if we lost, we lost. That's fine. Hold my head up high. I'll shake your hand. Okay. But don't, yeah. It, um, anyway. Well, I wanted to point out this one too. Right. While we're on the topic, Jamar Tisby today tweeted, mm. we're watching in real time the formation of a new type of lost cause mythology. Confederates did it after the Civil War to explain their defeat and romanticize their rebellion. Republicans today are making up their own myths after the election for the same purpose. So um, just comparing Republicans who voted for Trump to Confederates who re revised, you know, the, the history um, and their, their involvement in the war, romanticizing uh, their rebellion. I think it's, it's absurd. It's dangerous. It's unchristian. I mean, it's, it's really problematic. The kind of language that, that Jamar Tisby is comfortable using. And, and he's, he's, not even the worst of it, right? I mean, if you mm. when you get outside of um, him and 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 those following him, the witness, uh, it it only goes downhill if you get you know into actual secular folks. I mean, Tisby is still trying to be somewhat uh, you know portray himself as a as a Christian, but his views on on this are are very troubling, and the fact that people yeah. are are still recommending mm. and reading in the church, his book, The Color of Compromise, is is deeply concerning to me. Well, so. I think you should read it. I, I liked it. Right. You know, I think it was a good book. I mean, until the As very end. As a Bible end. study. Yeah, until the, very, until the very end, where he just basically continues to make all the same, you know, 
problems. So yeah, I, I have some real problems with that. I disagree. I, I actually, I think Jamar is extremely dangerous. I, I think he's probably one of the most dangerous people in America right now. And, and I don't say that lightly. Um, I, I don't, because I think he, what he's doing is that he's baptizing Ibram Kendi's rhetoric and he's putting Bible verses with it. Listen, Abram Kendi, at the end of the day, I know he's not coming at it from a Christian worldview. And actually, at the right. end of the day, when I'm reading him or Robin DiAngelo, I could I could decipher a lot of this crap, and that's what it is. It's a new religion. I could, but it's it's coming from critical race theory. I get it. But they're not coming at it from a, quote, Christian worldview. Jamar knows this. And Jamar, what he's doing is that he's using CRT, and he's baptizing it. And you're, he's baptizing CRT language, and he's basically making other Christians feel guilty if they don't adopt to this particular gospel. Yeah. I see that as significantly much more soul, you know, concerning than just some secular philosopher at BC or Boston, you know, BU making these claims. And I, you know, I I have real concerns there, and I I have concerns with with how the woke movement has just invaded evangelical i mean you have uh circles um that anyway i don't want to diverge too much from where you want to go on that but no i mean i think it it's absolutely related because the next question i wanted to talk about was what is the future right what is the future for trump uh mm -hmm. in your opinion what is the future for america under a biden harris ticket and in that sense i think the woke agenda absolutely comes into play what exactly our nation is going to be up against yeah uh, you know what citizens are going to be up against um and i you know we we've seen already the in, the hint that he will that people on his uh covid task force are going to be encouraging lockdowns four to six week lockdown extreme lockdowns across the nation across the board regardless of the statistics um things i mean that's that's just absurd to not once again to get back to where we were in the very beginning where everyone got treated like we were in New York City, like we were dealing with uh, a massive uh, problem of overcrowding in the hospitals. Our hospitals in Fresno County are still just over 100, which is three uh, it, at its peak. It was over 300. So it's it's a third of what it was at its peak, even now mm. with this rising number of cases. So it's obviously, yes, there's more cases, but the number of, uh, or the, the um, impact of those cases on a person's health are not as severe. So they're not being, they're not going to the hospital. Uh, the okay. number of people dying, it's not as severe clearly because mm -hmm. the, the deaths are nowhere near what they were at the peak. So it, it, anyways, all that, I, I, I know, this is about the election, but now when we're thinking of a Biden-Harris ticket, it does impact the way we're dealing with coronavirus. It impacts the way we're going to deal with <clears throat> Black Lives I'm, Matter. And I'm lying. I'm laughing because it sounds uh, a Biden-Heresy ticket. That's what it sounds like, almost like <laughs> oh. Biden-Heresy. I'm sorry. I say I say Biden-Harris because I don't know how long Biden would be the president. Yeah. Honestly, I I think his mental capacity is not going to make it four years. Um, uh, at least if he's heavily involved, yeah. but all that to say, I I'd love to hear your thoughts on that future of America. Yeah. Yeah. And Cody says, speak that truth, Brad, pastor Brad. Thank you, Cody. Um, 
Well, first thing, let's, I mean, to start start with the good news, I mean, I think the Senate, I think I think there's going to get at least one Senate in Georgia. I mean, first of all, I want to back up a little bit. So as a Christian, I don't think either of us, I think I can speak for the two of us. We didn't look for Trump as a Christian president. We were not looking at him as like he's our Jesus or our savior. There are Christians that do. And I think you and I could both distinctly say, no, we don't, we're not, we're not doing that. Right. We're not saying that the Republican Party is Jesus's party on earth. We're not, we're not, we're definitely not saying that. I think we could attest that I know I could attest. I'm a Christian living in an alien land. It's not a Christian nation. I'm not trying to make this into a Christian nation. I think one of the reasons why we wanted this podcast is because we believe in free speech. We believe in diversity in that way. Not diversity of just the way you look, but the diversity of thought. We want to be challenged. We want people to be able, like, we believe that um, terrible thoughts go away when you have more voices in the room that can sharpen one another. That's what, that's what we, you and I are in complete agreement that that is the best way to have a good civilized society. And my biggest concern now is that you're going to see, um, just because where the woke left is going, is that the silencing of speech. Now, the opportunities now have really presented themselves is that, you know, you have MeWe, you have Parler, you have all these apps that are actually getting droves of people by the millions, which I think is, a, it needed to happen eventually. The second thing is that I do think the Senate is going to be Republican. I do believe that. There's also the West Virginia senator that said, I'm not voting in for a filibuster. I'm definitely not voting in for, hmm. um, you know, packing the courts. And because he said that AOC, you know, posted a thing on Twitter that, you know, staring him down. So actually, <laughs> we're probably going to have about Republican, not we, I, I try to say not we, but Republicans are likely going to have 52, you know, people in the Senate. And that's going to be very, very good for our country. Um, there's also a Supreme Court, 6-3 um, or 5-4, matters on who <laughs> you see Roberts, that right. is going to keep things really in check. I mean, what makes our Constitution so wonderful is the checks and balances and the accountability and as long as accountability is is at a high, I think we're going to be okay. I think if the Senate the Senate keeps Biden's crazies out, what that's going to mean is that Biden's going to have to compromise on a lot of stuff, and I think that's going to be good rather than bad for our country. I am hopeful in that, and I think Biden loses a lot of energy in about two years. My biggest concern, though, is how the Democrats are going to continue to use this pandemic in a and they're, how they're going to politicize it. And then they're going to politicize the vaccine, which they already did this week with Andrew Cuomo's comment, like he doesn't even want to use the vaccine under Trump's presidency because that's considered, you know, not right timing. I, you know, and you're and so I'm yeah, I, I think I think in about two years, he's going to lose a lot of energy. I, I, I actually don't want Trump to, to go again. I, I would like him. I think he did what he needed to do. I, he is a rabble rouser. One of my biggest critiques about him is that he did not know how to comfort people during COVID. He really did know how to just grieve at times. I do think in the long run, we need a leader that knows how to just like bring the tension down. I'm not buying into all the rhetoric of the far, you know, but I, he, he didn't know how to do that very well. I, I think what he did, what he needed to do, in my opinion, I don't know if you disagree. I would love somebody like a Dan Crenshaw. I would love Dan Crenshaw to run. I think mm -hmm. he is the perfect, you know, he is honorable. He served in the, he said he was a Navy SEAL. He served our country. He, um, I think he would be a great, I would love that honestly. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, me personally, I don't know what your, your take is on that. <laughs> well, I, you know, so I never really had, um, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did this year right. and the transit, the change for me was he, he had proven that he was, a that he could stick to his word. Yeah. In and right. because of that, I don't know that I have as much trust in really hmm. too many other politicians. Um, I, they might have a better presidential demeanor, but in my opinion, that's, that's, that's secondary, absolutely secondary. His, his personality, um, mm. I, I wouldn't want him at the dinner table, but I, I think his, his, uh, his integrity to, to be a man of his, uh, of loyalty to those who voted for him is significant in my opinion. And it, and he showed it, he proved it in That's a true. number of, yeah. of, not just the Supreme court justices, but all down the line, right. The federal judges that he instituted, mm-hmm. which was something like 25% of the federal, uh, um, judges were replaced under Trump and all wow. of them in that originalist camp, which is excellent for the future of the nation. And so I think Trump did uh, some incredible things. Um, I'm even a little bit afraid to eulogize him right now because I just think it's not time yet. I still want to wait and see what happens with this election. But I do, if, if Biden does win, I think the future for Trump is probably going to be political at some level, whether he's running for office again, which obviously would be president in 2024. If not, then I would say, I know there's talk about him starting a TV program, Mm. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he doesn't, uh, well, if he did that, he would probably pull people from Fox because people are so upset. Um, And then, and then he would have just some, I guess he would have, I'm sorry, I'm distracted by my wife's comment. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Carrie's saying uh, having Chubb at the dinner table would be epic. Yeah, I, I agree, Carrie. <laughs> it's, it's that true. was my same thought. I was like, actually, I would love to have Trump at the dinner table. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not multiple times, but at least once. I mean, especially, I know he doesn't drink. I would, I would drink. And oh I would, I would let him talk. <laughs> so, so hilarious. Well, I, I still... <laughs> My point, obviously, is that is we want him to date your daughter. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not looking for a, <laughs> for someone like that. He's not the one I'm praying for to marry any of my daughters. Um, <laughs> that's my wife always uses that line anytime. So that's not who I'm praying for. That's yeah. not the one I'm praying for. Anyways, um, good. Good thoughts. And I, I, so yeah, Trump. The the point was he was that I was trying to make before I got distracted was it there's talk of him starting a um, political TV like Trump TV and stealing away someone like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson um, and some of the other, like Janine Pirro who was just canceled by Fox because she wanted to talk about election fraud. Um, So things like that. I think he could easily put together um, uh, the funds to do it obviously. And, and the, and he could put together a good cast of folks who would want to be a part of it. I don't know that that's even something he's interested in, but uh, it's it's the talk that he would do it afterwards. Whatever, though, I think he will continue to have an in- influence um, politically, and I, I think that's good for our yeah. Nation. I don't want to negate the pro- I don't want to negate that. I mean, look at I actually think Obama. A lot of people don't realize that that he actually I believe he moved his camp six six blocks seven blocks from the White House, and he did a lot a lot of stuff behind closed doors, you know, to probably make this work. 
I mean, a lot of people think that he was pulling the strings to make sure that Biden was the one, you know, and that Obama did a lot. And so what that says is that just because you're behind the strings or you're behind closed doors doesn't mean that you're not going to have a good influence. I think that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what I really want is what Cody is saying right here is yeah. diversity of thinking, diversity of thought, diversity, free speech, inclusion in, you know, and uh, not the exclusionary hate speech, small minded. And I do think I do think there are some. Here's the other thing. I was very I've been very pleased by some moderate Democrats coming out and standing up to the AOCs, but from from Pennsylvania and um you know, the woman that was elected in, um, I forgot her name, but she was, you know, she just laid into the Democrats, I believe from Virginia. And she just got on the phone call and she just laid into them about defund the police. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I heard that. And then the Senate, you know, the Senator from West Virginia, we need that. We need, you know, for the, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm staying, you know, that if the Senate stays strong, keeps Biden in check, I actually think the Republicans regain the house because they're going to have the energy I think Biden becomes a lame duck president um, at that point, which I actually, I actually liked lame duck presidents for the most part. I mean, even <laughs> I like that was, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the things that I really liked about Trump during even the coronavirus, maybe his words were very. I wish he would have just kind of got out of the way and let people speak on his behalf, the medical community. But he was a federalist in that sense, like what he did, what Biden's not likely going to do is like he's, he let the states make their own decisions. He let the towns make their own decisions. That was a federalist position that he took. And I, th um, I think Biden's this is why if he's, if he's if he's if he's checked by the Senate, I don't think he could do that too much. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But I. Uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not as discouraged as I was a week ago. I was, you know, I'm. I don't, yeah, I don't know where you are with that. <laughs> so well, yeah, yeah. I I am, I am uh, again holding out being discouraged or <laughs> good for you. Yeah, celebrating. Yeah. I still think it's too early to be confident one way or the other. But um, obviously, if if the Supreme Court doesn't end up hearing the case for Pennsylvania or these legal issues continue to favor Biden, then. Um, I, I think I think we'll be okay. I think, like you said, talking about the Senate majority is huge, but um, you know it, that would prevent them from packing the court, which would be significant. <laughs> and the filibuster, opinion. and the, yeah, and the right. filibuster, and it, so they can't pass all this like AOC Green New Deal stuff. Right. Yeah, there's a ton of benefits to that, and obviously, gaining in the House, shrinking that gap of the um, the. Uh, Democrat lead in the House was big. Uh, even we flipped yeah. some states. Governors flipped, so there's more local authority now. Um, wow. That is, I, I think some of that is all going to be. It's going to come to a head in 2022, no matter right. what. Like it's going to show either a red wave or potentially, you know, a reversal. But I think mm. it's a good sign for Republicans that that they did win all the down ballot. Uh, most of the down ballots were in favor of Republicans. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we switched more than they switched um, in terms of Senate seats or not Senate seats, uh, House seats and, and the governor. Um, they, they thought they were going to take control of the Senate. And it, unless unless they win 
during recounts or something, it's unlikely that they will. No. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, one of them looks really strong. It's the other one I think is like really close, I believe. And I, yeah. Um, but I think they get at least one of the Georgia senators, which would make it 51. And then I've, I'm actually, yeah, more, yeah, like the West Virginia guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean, the, one the other thing too is the Equality Act, which was very concerning for a lot of Christians. So that that's mm -hmm. actually where I was very, I was most concerned about because that would have pushed a lot of, um, basically laws making and and making Roe v. Wade the the law of the land. That's the other thing that Biden wanted to do. So, um, what's your take on you? Were you about to ask a question? I was going to ask ask a well, question. I, yeah, I was just going to in or 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 give my last thought was on uh, one positive result of this is that riots have kind of quieted down. It's interesting that there are still people rioting and saying that doesn't matter who's president, they're, they're, they're going to um, keep fighting to have their voice heard or whatever. But I think for the most part, a, a conservative loss is not going to be as devastating upon our nation because we're just not going to go out and burn cities down and loot and, and no. right. So, uh, but I hate to be so pessimistic to think that, you know, that that's like, I, I think, I think that's a, a problem in our, in our culture that, that one side is willing to obviously be violent to get their, their voice heard. And another just wants to reason things through. And, um, but, Anyways, I, that was all I wanted to say. I did find a funny meme. I thought I'd, I thought I'd share this one too, um, that I came across a couple of days after the election. So are we Republicans supposed to riot tomorrow? No. <laughs> I this, yeah. I'm oh. new at this. Who's bringing the rocks and bricks? Where are we <laughs> looting? I like Bed Bath & Beyond and any place that sells wine. Are we burning cars or just busting windows? I think we need lists and, and an organizer. What about snacks? I can bring a cheese tray. What's the dress code? Business casual or dressy Western? I have so many questions. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's, so, that's great. Yeah, we need more of that. Oh, man. Yeah, it, yeah. it was a good little. Um, what was your take on like, uh, John? I mean, I, I know we, we want to wrap up here pretty soon because we like to keep it around the hour. But what, what was your take on like, you know, some a lot of leaders in the evangelical community like Piper, some of this, especially especially Piper, you know, and. Uh, yeah, prior to the election. Yeah, since you're a pastor, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. What was your take on that? And, you know, and I, I have a lot of Christians, honestly, friends who are very, would take the same view. And I, I get, yeah. What, what, what's your take on that? Well, it, it's really hard for me to critique someone like Piper who I highly respect, but yeah, um, right. his, his article felt like the opposite of what he's been telling people for his entire ministry, you know, emphasizing the importance of, um, the one issue vote, you know, basically he calls himself a one issue voter on, on abortion and unashamedly. Um, mm -hmm. and then he came out and said, well, there, you know, I can't vote for either candidate because I also think it's equally destructive for someone to have the character that Trump has. Um, and I thought that was, um, just wrong. I don't, I don't agree yeah. with it. I don't, I don't think that a person's personality has the same impact upon a nation as corrupt policy, evil policy, mm -hmm. evil character, right? It can't, it, it, it's, it's not healthy and it's not good and it should be condemned. 
And I think people need to push back on that more than celebrate that character, which I think, uh, you know, sometimes the Trumpists get into this sort of like, this is exactly what we need. And, and we want more of that kind of attitude. And we don't, I think we want to say there, there needs to be some, um, uh, you know, there are some character flaws, <laughs> no doubt about it, uh, that need to be addressed with Trump. But mm -hmm. to say that Trump's character is just as evil or just as damaging to our nation as policies, like you were just mentioning, that would make Roe v. Wade law nationwide, I think is, um, it's just not good logic. You know, well, and from, also what that means, I was just getting into that too. So what that, it, making Roe v. Wade law of the land, one of the things that would do is like third term abortions, for example, a lot of doctors look at the vitality in the birth of the baby. In other words, if it's viable for life, you know, I'm not going to abort it if it's viable for life. And so a lot of doctors have the freedom not to not to abort if they believe that the board, the baby would would live. They they would abort if they didn't believe the baby would live because they see it as a quote fetus. But their logic is, is after the third or most a lot of doctors around their third trimester would say, well, no, because the baby can live. Making Roe v. Wade the law of the land would would destroy those doctors' viability or the, the option of vitality. And so what that would mean would be those doctors would have to perform that abortion. Um, now, people would say, well, the only people that perform third-term abortions are people that have medical reasons. And so I looked up the CDC website. Actually, that's not true. The majority of them are not medical reasons. The majority of abortions and third-term abortions are actually because they don't have an abortion facility around them. There's only a small portion of the babies that actually would die because of medical reasons. So that's untrue. The other thing, too, that Trump did, he defunded all of the abortion policies that the United States was placing um, in overseas countries. Piper didn't mention right. that one bit. Yeah. And I felt very, you know, and so the other thing, too, is that Trump did more things for the pro-life movement, including speaking at the rallies twice. I mean, that that's one thing, but supporting it. Um, he put justices that would respect the life of the baby, a whole bunch of things. And I guess it's like, you know, so if I get like, con you know, and I do believe this is the slavery of our day. I think every way, every age we have something like the slavery of the day in the 1860s. The problem with today is that what, what people like Jamar are doing, they think Satan basically worked once and once only. And that was with the slavery movement. And he just keeps repeating himself in every single age. That's that's Jamar's biggest logical fallacy is that he, he my biggest problem with Jamar, if I could pick on him just for a second, because I think they're co-related, is that he believes the, the fallacy that Satan works in the same way in every single age. And I think that's where Jamar is dead wrong, spiritually dead wrong. Satan exactly wants you to look, think that way, that he thinks that Satan is monolithic in his thought process. Now, I'm not saying I know the way Satan works, but if I could say this. Every age has some kind of big evil that I think Christians need to stand up for. One of the ways I believe that the church has been so dead wrong in the past 15 years is that we have taken the slavery movement and Jim Crow and act like that's exactly happening in the exact same way as it was in the 1950s and the 1860s. No, right now it's sex trafficking. And the second thing is that we have people and policymakers who are saying that if a baby is aborted, excuse me, is alive, they are not even willing to pass a born alive act to get that baby oxygen. That is the modern day evil 
that we as Christians need to come along and say, this is wrong and not continue mm -hmm. to repeat past sins as if those things are somehow continuing to repeat ourselves in, you know, ad infinitum. I think that's exactly how evil works itself out. It's, it's, it's to think that you could predict it and therefore I can predict its steps in the future. Evil yeah. and chaos does not do not work that way. Evil and chaos are things that are evident right now. And I think it's through the abortion policies as well. No, yeah. And and so that not just the but also sex trafficking. That's the other thing as well. This was an opportunity for the church not to not to vote for the next Christian leader, but to vote for somebody that would protect the cries of the unborn that I believe go before the throne of God and have been for the past 60 years. Mm. And it, it grieves me mm. that Christians have totally negated the cries of the unborn because they want somebody that's nicer. Mm. And gosh, I'm getting teary. Yeah. It's just like, wow. And I'm like, talk about idol, idol, you know, committing idolatry toward, you know, okay, great. Yeah. He's mean, big, effing deal you've got a life of the unborn that you're you are called to protect and that's that's what we have to come across Piper's mm. that that was the biggest compromise for me that he did that and it wasn't just him there are multiple christians who don't look at abortion i'm calling them out they're it's it's the equivalent of it's the equivalent of of okay it's 1860 and Abraham Lincoln is a jerk and it's 1863 and he's a complete jerk. And the guy he's running for against is a gentleman to the highest degree, a Southern gentleman. What are Christians supposed to do in 1860 when Abraham Lincoln, who is a complete jerk says, I think I want to flee. I think I want to free the slaves. What are right. Christians supposed to do? Well, he's a gentleman. He's a Southern gentleman. I don't really want to vote for this Abraham Lincoln guy because he's mean and he's, you know, he says he grabs them by the, okay, whatever. Okay. Yeah. But he wants us to leave. He wants to free the slaves. Right. Oh, I know. But this guy's a Southern gentleman. He uses, you know, language and he just knows how to collaborate. I, okay. I get that. I understand that. But right now we have a pressing issue. He wants to free the slaves. Right. Maybe we should kind of come together because they're, they're equal. They're children of God too. Same thing. You have a party that is that is that is refused to acknowledge the breath of a baby. Okay, I I get it. He's a jerk. I get it. Yep, I don't want my daughter marrying. Okay, I get it. What about the unborn? Right. Oh, I know, but uh, yeah, but but yeah, but but he's so contentious. Okay, I, I get it. But so, is is this a baby? Is this a baby? And so it's just anyway, it's infuriating because well, <clears throat> it is. You believe it's a baby, and if you don't, then come out and say that. And say that you don't believe this is a child. And if you don't believe that, then what do you believe when you believe life exists? Just be honest with your Christianity, please. And don't just stample it. And that's, well, yeah, anyway, I'm off. I want to, I want to <laughs> add to that. I want to add to mm. what you're saying, because I, I, uh, after David French and the Holy Post had written and you know, they had done videos, well, David French is a, you know, yeah. a never Trumper. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So he wrote an article um, mm. on his on his website and then the Holy post, which is run by the, you know, Phil Fisher, who's, um, oh, veggie right. tales creator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they both made comments about how the president doesn't really have any effect on abortion. And so 
I put together a, a, I went through and kind of researched a couple different articles and, and put together a list of things that the next four years will prove the inaccuracy of that assumption. And I'd love to read it now to just sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, see what, uh, yeah. see how much of this comes true in four years. We'll revisit it uh, mm. four years from now. But Roe v. Wade, uh, Trump wanted to reverse Roe v. Wade, which would turn the legality of abortion to the states. This would certainly reduce the number of abortions in red states at the very least. Biden wants to codify Roe v. Wade into law, as you've already mentioned. Supreme Court appointments, um, both Trump appointed... Both Trump appointed justices. Can you share this too, or is it? You know, I could. uh, Let me see if there's. All right, if you can't, that's all right. I wonder if there's a way to view it without Mm. um, showing everything on the side, like my my friends list, because I just didn't want to have. Oh, don't. Yeah, that's okay. I didn't want that to show to everyone. (laughs) Um, And now I was trying to do that, and I lost my my (laughs) article here. (laughs) Hang on a second. Anyway, so the Supreme Court's right. Two justices that he that he promoted were uh, uh, Gorsuch, obviously, and Kavanaugh. They both voted in favor of this Louisiana law. Are you there still? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, all right, you've muted yourself. Sorry. So they both um, they voted on this Louisiana law that would require abortion doctors to have hospital clearance, even though the South you know, South Carolina, uh, or sorry, the Supreme Court ultimately ruled against the state. Um, so they they lost, but they voted for it to give the Louisiana law the ability to require abortion doctors to have that hospital clearance. Um, Barrett's appointment will increase the likelihood of these decisions favoring pro-life agendas at state and local levels. Biden has all but honestly admitted his intentions to pack the Supreme Court, which would effectively abolish the judicial branch as a check upon the executive and legislative branches. He has also stated that his Justice Department would seek to counteract state laws that place restrictions on abortions. So we're going to see that now, thankfully, if they hold the, the power in the Senate, that'll limit what he can do to the Supreme Court. Um, Federal justices, I mentioned, um, he appointed, Trump appointed 200 originalist judges to the lower federal courts, which account for roughly a quarter of the active seats. Um, We can expect in this term, the next four years, another 150 to be appointed. Um, So that's going to have its own impact, of course. Uh, The Hyde Amendment was something that Trump supported, which restricts federal funding for abortion. Research done in 2016 showed that it that this amendment saved two million lives since 1976. Biden has pledged to repeal it, uh, so that's going to go away. He on his second day in office, Trump strengthened the Mexico City policy, which prevents foreign aid from being used for the promotion of abortion overseas. Biden has vowed to reverse this policy on his first day in office. So those two things immediately, Biden is going to overturn. You also have this Title 10. Trump signed um, the the quote-unquote protect life rule that results in Planned Parenthood withdrawing from the Title 10 program, forfeiting $60 million annually. Biden has vowed to restore those federal funds to abortion providers. And then just two more things. Political activism. Of course, Trump was the first president to attend a March for Life rally. Biden does the opposite. He speaks at Planned Parenthood. He promises to support them while in office. And then Kamala Harris uh, who will eventually replace Biden when he's too incapacitated to fulfill his duties. She agrees with Biden on everything, but then that then has even worse rhetoric, right? She talks about the pain capable unborn 
Child Protection Act. She's against that. She's also against the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. So she would only strengthen the pro-choice agenda moving forward. Um, so just to echo what you were saying, this is this is not good for the pro-life movement. And any Christian who is celebrating this vic- as a victory, um, they they need to squelch their celebratory acts because it's not a celebration. This is not a movement in the right direction. We right. might be happy that someone like Trump is not in office anymore, but you shouldn't be celebrating that someone like Biden and Kamala Harris are. That is yeah. That is good. not a that's not a win. Right. So yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think if if Trump was, I mean, excuse me, if Biden was moderate and he did, he at one point he was moderate when it came to abortion. He did protect the Hyde Amendment and he's compromised on all of that stuff. I mean, 20 years ago, he actually was considered um, a Planned Parenthood. Like, I think he got a score of Planned Parenthood, like a D. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Back in like 1991 or something like that. I mean, he was not scored. He did not score very high. And even in 2008, um, he was a, you know, a, I mean, Obama purposefully picked him because of his moderate views, not just with abortion, but also with police. And um, and that's why it's like people will say, well, he's moderate. Well, well, explain to me why he's gone so far left then. Right. Yes, he was moderate when he was in office. But please understand, like he hasn't been in office in, you know, 12 years and he was a vice president. And then, you know, he was out. And then he was in his basement for all this year. So that's why I agree with you. It's like there's this. I mean, I'm maybe, you know, where's the energy? On, I, I think the energy was never Trump. I think that's what the energy was. If there were all these votes, <clears throat> I think it was. And the church played right into that. Yeah. Well, which is unfortunate. I think we should, yeah. we should yeah. end well, this. Probably. Okay. All right. It was, we went a little long, but um, <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed. Talk about, yeah. Oh, maybe we can plug the next one. Right. We have, we yeah. have a. Yeah. An interview coming up. You want to talk about an it? Interview. Yeah, by uh, Monique. Do you remember her name? Monique Dos Dusan. Dusan. Yeah, she is a conservative African American. Um, we're trying to speak a lot more to. Um, I know a lot of people say, you know, listening to black voices. What they usually mean by that are people like Jamar Ibram and Kendi. yeah, Ibram Kendi. And we disagree. We think there's a variety of a lot of black voices, and this is one of them. She's a conservative, and um. You know, and she's going to be coming on our podcast and she's going to be talking about what it's like to be, you know, a black conservative and very, very excited about having her on. And she I guess she's going to talk a lot about the woke movement. Yeah. Yeah. She actually has a series that she did with Carol Bontrager, Mm. um, their co-host of All the Things podcast. And they have a series of of videos called The Great Awakening where they basically explain it and then critique it, talk about the background. It's really helpful. We watched it yeah. actually um, in our home. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that interview. Hopefully if anyone has questions or things that we should bring up in that interview, definitely uh, let us know uh, in the comments of this video. And then also when we get to yeah. the live video, hopefully you can join us and share your thoughts as we're and, interviewing her. And what's your address? I'm going to send you some paintings so you can put them on your wall. <laughs> I'll send it to you afterwards. <laughs> I don't want anyone else giving me mail bombs. Um, yeah, we. I'm still waiting. We're gonna paint. This is my our church office, and I'm, we're waiting to paint the office. So I I have yeah. left left Great. it pretty 
bars right yeah, now. Yeah, well, um, definitely. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> One Thanks for flew, pointing that out. One who flew over the cuckoo's nest, man. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I know, like I know. The, the yeah, mental health room. Maybe. Anyway, <laughs> I need to get some books. So I look. You you look so scholarly in your office. Oh uh, yeah, it's just looks. Yeah, yeah. There's uh yeah. Then Lego sets and everything else. There you go. There's my Lego well, set. Okay. We yeah. We do Thanks. need to sign. Do you need to sign off? And you probably need to get to your CrossFit workout. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, I, I already did it. <laughs>